Hey, hi, my name is Scott Eastman. I'm a pastor on staff at Life Church in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I'm Becky Alcantar. I am the co-founder and author of Journey to Wholeness, and I am also the pastor of that program here at Life Church. And you're joining us for the whole podcast. And so we're glad that you're here today. Our topic, I think, Becky, we agreed because we just had this big, long pre-show meeting that was 45 minutes. I think we're talking about Arrested Development. Are we still talking about that? We are. Yeah, we're talking about getting to the root of really what we're struggling with. So for me, Arrested Development never, ever meant anything with mental health. It meant that really awesome TV show directed by Ron Howard. Yes. uh, That was actually a really favorite of mine. And so that the first time I'd ever heard of Arrested Development, I thought we were going to talk about the TV show, but we're not talking about the TV no. show at all. Although it was very amusing and I did like that show yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyway, um, so when when we, when we you say, let's say you're flying, nope, let's say you're on an elevator, okay. right? Riding with someone and someone says, hey, have you ever heard of Arrested Development? And they're only going to the 14th floor, right? <laughs> right. Like, where do you start with that? Arrested Development is really places in our life where we just didn't develop cognitively or emotionally to address some of the things that we need to address as adults. And so often that happens because we had an experience, something traumatic. And it doesn't mean something largely monumentally earth shattering. It was just something that was significant to us that helped us or made us decide on something in life that we are now operating on. It stunted our growth in the area of maturing and uh, instead pointed us because this was an experience that maybe you shouldn't have had so young in your life or at that point in your life, or you weren't developed enough to address in your life. And you made a decision about something that you're operating on still today. You didn't actually complete that maturity or that growth spurt or that connection in your life that would actually give you the tools to address things as you would expect to as an adult. So let's take a step back. So let's go back to trauma because trauma for a lot of us, like we think of trauma as being, I was at war or someone abused me, right? Right. Or something like that. But like trauma doesn't have to be, like you said, a big giant monolithic thing. Like if my gerbil died and my gerbil was my everything, yes, then that's enough, right? Absolutely. My dad ran it over with a car or something like that. Your favorite bike got broken and now you've decided that you can't count on anything staying well or whole in your life. It's nothing that, so let me clarify first, there's a difference between trauma and abuse, right? So trauma is really, and the way we like to define the injury and wholeness, and there's plenty of definitions you can look up, but it's uh, anytime there was any unmet expectation, you expected things to go one way, but they turned out another. And that pushed you to make a decision about life that you otherwise wouldn't have. I mean, like, wait now, holy crap. So like, just give me that one thing again. So it's anything, it's any any expectation um, that you had that was not met. Correct. Okay. So then like everybody, right? Everybody has experienced trauma. Right. Now with uh, abuse or a major catastrophic event, there of course is trauma, right? You expected things to go one way and they turned out a different way, but trauma affects every single one of us. There's something that made us feel like, um, we got, uh, uh, oh, I, I always think of T-boned when you get hit by a car, but there's another word for it. You got a uh, side swiped, you got, so uh, 
boy, I think we're already spending too much time on yeah, this. We well, you're in a major car accident. <laughs> you're in a major car accident. You didn't see it coming, right? You you were going along in life and something just caught you by surprise. You did not expect that. You had not planned for that. You thought life operated in a certain way and this completely shook your foundation. Now your brain is trying to compensate for that, right? Let's fill in the gaps here. Let's figure out what the storyline is. Our brain is always trying to take every piece of information it receives and then is trying to point it in a direction so that it will help you to address anything similar in the future so that you can make decisions quicker and you don't have to think about it each time, right? So when we're walking down the street, you don't think one foot, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, right? Your brain basically established a rhythm, a pattern for that how it's going to respond. And it does that every single time. It does that with every single thing in our life. So we experience some loss. It tells you a story. It fills in the gaps. It takes the information it has, and then it fills in the gaps. And then uh, it uses that the next time you encounter something similar. So that's why we get those feelings of deja vu. Have I been through this before? Nope. But your brain thinks it's similar enough that it's going to use those resources, the actual facts that you experience, as well as a storyline that it used to basically analyze and settle and and store that away in your memory bank so that you could use it again in the future, which is why many of us have perspectives that are skewed, right? It wasn't exactly how it went, just like when you have two people and they tell you a story and they have different perspectives about it. They are using what they saw and what they received as facts, what they knew about things in the past. And then it created a storyline to fill in the gaps that it didn't have, stored it away. And so now when you go and access that, it can be completely different. Two siblings can have a completely different experience about it. And then you toss into that mix emotions, right? How did it make you feel? That can completely set that memory into a different trajectory. Now think about you developing as a person and how I uh, learned how to manage my feelings, how I learned to manage my world, what I expected of my world, what I thought the rules of the world were, and that's what I'm operating on today. And so sometimes now when we encounter these difficult moments and we're using that information, we don't always have the luxury of going back and going, wait a second, was that the best way to handle that? Was that the best decision? Is Am I operating on an operating plan that makes the most sense? Or are there things in that script that I need to correct? Okay. So that was like a fire hose <laughs> of, of information. And I'm not nearly smart enough to have digested all of that. Mm -hmm. So let me just step back one second. Yeah. Because one thing that you said just stepped out, just stuck out to me was that our brains work in such a way that if it can make a shortcut, if it can like just jump from this wire to this wire, yes. or this screw to this screw, it's going to do that. Mm -hmm. So that way we don't spend too much time on it. Right. Yes. And so like a computer, right? Like that's the whole purpose of RAM and a computer. That it's sure. like, oh, like we're going to keep this right here in the front. So that way it's easy for us to access and we can like quickly make this calculation, right? right. And our brains are just like that. And right. so if something happens for us and our brain records, oh, we've seen this before. We're going to operate it like this. It must this be is, this. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's going to be this. And so this is what this looks like. And so it, it's right. like, so not... I don't want to say short wired, right? It's a shortcut. It's a shortcut. Right. It's yeah. a shortcut. So our mind just like, oh yeah, this is that. And so, and that, and so, you know, not in your big fancy colorful language, but in like 
you know, like some, a lay person's language. Right. I mean, that's a trigger, right? Like, like, yes. like so, if, oh, this is happening. This is what's about to happen next. Correct. Right. Yeah. So we have this emotional deja vu. And so I'm going to like gear up for that. I'm going to get down on my haunches or I'm going to like get my fists up or I'm going to whatever it is, mm-hmm. because I know my brain knows that the last time this happened, right. This is what happened next. And I'm going to be ready this time. So right. my dad ran over my hamster. Listen, that didn't actually happen in my life, but I've just, <laughs> right. But somewhere like now there's a shortcut. If I have mm-hmm. something small that I love, my dad's going to crush it with his car. Right. That's what my brain right. would have shortwired or shortcut. And for sure, because there was an emotional response there, you had this rise in hormones that made that memory stamp even more dominant. And so sometimes we can overreact to things that are happening because we are reacting to that last experience. And so our brain is going, oh no, this must be that intense uh, experience you had before. So I'm going to rush all of this to you so that you can react and respond. It's it's survival mode, right? It's trying to help you survive and get through something. And sometimes that we overreact to things because our brain is telling us this is the same thing that's happening, which is why we always have to ask ourselves, are we reacting to this thing that's happening right now? Or am I reacting to something else that my brain is telling me it's similar enough and now I'm feeling this big thing and it really had nothing to do with that at all. Often we just shrink away and feel embarrassed about that and apologize or act like it didn't happen. But how often do we actually take the time to go, wow, why did I react that way? Or say, I overreacted to this event what was at the root of that reaction? Because I was completely triggered. I was completely emotional. Can I log that and go back to it later? Because there's something there that I need to learn. It's your brain going, hey, here's this red flag. You want to work on that? Because if you do, it's going to help you out in the long run. It's going to help you resolve something. It's going to help you heal from something. It's going to help you develop in that area of your brain so that you can have the appropriate response going forward and not that overreaction triggered response that comes from our emotions. So, yeah, we talked about that in the pre-show a little bit. And I love that about like, is this really about this? So like, you know, my wife asking me for that or my kid telling me this or like, and then like I overreact. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, um, I mean like, and I'm not broken because of that. Right. Like none of us are broken because of that, but there's a difference between how we react to something and then how we respond to something. I feel like for much of our lives, if we don't take that moment to pay attention to the red flags, we're just reacting and we're just moving from one reaction to another reaction. We're reacting to people all day at work. And then we come home and we react to our kids and we react to our spouse and then we react to our friends. And then like, we're just spending our whole, and how exhausting it is. And then you're burnt out. Yeah. Just reacting all the time. You're like, it's a constant boxing match. Absolutely. It is. If we don't pause to take the time to work on those things and to look at them, discuss them, journal them out, um, but actually give ourselves that self-compassion, right? Our brain is operating exactly how it's supposed to. Are we taking the time to actually use all of the elements or look at all of the things that it's offering us so that we can continue to grow. So one thing that we say, um, there's a phrase that you'll often hear people say, well, you made me so mad. No one can make you so mad. Your brain is basically reacting in a way that you've allowed it to. So we always tell our participants, you absolutely are 100% responsible for your behavior, your actions, your words, your responses. Um, No one can make you do anything. However, your experiences can lead you to react in a way 
if you don't work through the details of that. None of us want to be reactionary, right? We want to be able to respond in a way that we're proud of how we interacted with the people around us, especially the people that we love. And unfortunately, those are the people who take the brunt of most of our reactions. Because Yeah, get, doesn't that suck? It, it stinks, right? But here's the, the lovely side of that. You feel comfortable enough around those people that they love you and it's a safe place that some of those things can come up. That's why they do come up in those moments. And it's your opportunity to go, okay, I felt safe enough for that to come up. But obviously that's an issue that I need to figure out what the root of that is so that I don't have these. And quite honestly, the more you work on them and it can feel overwhelming, like I don't even know where to begin. Well, you begin with where you are today. If today you had a moment where you reacted in a way that you weren't proud of, then you look at that and you address that one. And as you put out these little fires, it's just like working through a garden, right? Like I'm going to pull out this weed and this weed. And it can seem overwhelming when you first start out, especially if you're in my garden, because I am not a gardener. Um, but when you address a section and you go, wow, look at that section. It can be empty. There could be nothing growing there yet. But because it's cleared out of the weeds, you just feel so proud of it. And it feels like such a relief. And it inspires you and gives you the energy because you're not fighting with those anymore to go and work on the next one and the next one. And pretty soon you look around and you've cleared up your garden and those reactions that you were so dreading because you knew they were happening so much and you had no control over them, they become less and less over time. And you're responding now. And you're growing now and you're recognizing those things now. And sometimes that's the first step. Can I, can I acknowledge or can I uh, see that there's something off here? I think many of us operate in our daily lives in a way that we can't even identify that we had 15 reactions to something and we're so tired at the end of the day and we're wondering why. Um, when we can even just get to the point where we go, oh, I see myself going down that path right now. That's breakthrough moment. And a lot of people go, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. Oh, but that's a breakthrough moment. That means your brain has actually made the connection now to say, hey, that's not okay. There's some, there's a better way now. And then you can start making progress. But until we even get to that point, we're not going anywhere because try to slow down the train that has been running, right? 150 miles an hour. Um, you need to slow down that train on the track so that you can go, there's a cart and there's a thing. And here's something else that I need to address. I love that. Someone really smart, Aristotle, Socrates, mm. Galileo, mm -hmm. someone said something about how the unexamined life isn't worth living. Yeah. <clears throat> someone really good said that. Yeah. I was trying to find it, but you finished really fast. And so I couldn't <laughs> find it. I'll put it in the notes or something anyway. Yes. And so I feel like that was something that I probably heard when I was in high school, but like, I feel like that's so important. Like we got to stop, like we were talking about earlier, we got to stop, just keep reacting to stuff. We got to figure out why this keeps happening because otherwise we'll just be in a loop. Like I look, you know, in my world and I see people that just keep, they're in these cycles, like where it just yeah. keeps going over and over and over again. In fact, because they're not, they're not taking a second to examine their life or examine. And I'm not saying making bad choices or what, I'm just talking about like, just in general, like how you just keep fighting life. And then, then you have kids and then yeah. like, you show them how to fight life and then, then they start it. And so like right. we've got this cycle of generations, right? Where there's, they keep reacting and no one's dealing with the core issue that might've started with something. And if someone just would have examined their life for a second, yeah. they would have found the root. Like I, I often think I've never been professionally diagnosed, mm -hmm. but like, I feel like I have abandonment issues. Like I feel like at any time someone's just going to split. Sure. Like I just feel like, I, and so, and that, that for me dictates my worth or my value. Mm -hmm. So if any, cause like 
people have split. Right. <laughs> you know, people have walked out on me. There was valid information right. there that your brain made the decision right. on. Right. So now every time it just does that shortcut. Oh, this is what's happening. Oh, they're going to split. Mm-hmm. And so like, and so I react to my circumstances trying to either uh, like head off the split by splitting first right. or like over compensating Correct. to make sure that they don't split. Right. And all this is arrested development, right? Yes. All this is because at some point, not when I was six, maybe not even when I was 16, maybe when I was 20 or 25. Correct. Right. Like it's a, sometimes we think of the rest of it happens like when I was a kid with my gerbil, but like sometimes it's like when you're 25 or For 30 sure. or 35. We're continually perpetually growing and maturing. Right. Yeah. And Thank goodness for that. If we just stopped at some point, I mean, we wouldn't even be having this conversation, but our brains were made to actually continue to grow and heal over time. Like it's just beautiful the way we were created. And the question there is when you're having a response like that, how often do we go, is that what's really going on here? And then being confident enough in the relationships around us to communicate that and go, Hey, when you just said this, this is how I felt. And just, it's all on me. Like I'm feeling like you're going to abandon me. Like that's a vulnerable place, right? To admit. And here's what I heard when you said that and giving that person an opportunity to go, oh my gosh, no, that's not what's happening here. Here's what my intention was. Here's what I was trying to communicate. And then how that would save us from so many sleepless nights and silly fights and resentments and frustrations and things that go on and grow on, right? I think of my kids. What is the thing in your life right now? Um, For me, it was my kids. They made me go, I need to do better. I need to figure this out because even if I'm fine and I know I'm reactionary, but people around me know that and if they can't handle it, they can go. Um, I can make all these excuses, but at some point, uh, my husband and I, we we looked at our little cheruby, big cheek, chunky babies and said, what are we showing them? Right. Because we can say things to them the way things should be. But what we demonstrate to them, how we act, how we treat each other in our homes speaks much, much more. And that's what they're going to talk about. And that's what they're going to revert to when they're trying to become adults. For us, it was so important to make the effort to make a change to figure these things out because we didn't want to pass that on to our children. We wanted better for them. We knew the frustrations. We knew how hard it is to have just the the struggles inside of your emotions and your your mind and and having anger issues or depression depression issues and not having an answer for them. We didn't want that for our kids. So we knew we had to figure that out in ourselves so that we could help them with it. If it's in our DNA, then, oh, for sure, we need to make sure that we know how to work through this so we can help them work through it because they inherited our genes. Um, But more important, they inherit what we demonstrate to them in our household. And and just looking at those little faces and and thinking, you know, They're going to have their own struggles. I don't need to pile anything more on them because I wasn't willing to go back and look at what's really going on inside of me. Um, If we can't love ourselves, because that's an act of love, taking the time, having self-care, self-compassion to go, what's going on? I deserve better than this. God intended better for me than this. Um, If I'm not satisfied with my life, if I don't absolutely love my life, 
um, and see that I am blessed and see the blessing in every day, then there's some work to be done. All of us have work to be done. I still have work to be done. Um, do I wake up that way every single morning? No. But can I get there? Yeah, because I've acquired the tools and I've done the work to figure those things out. And then more than that, I want that for my children, right? I want them to start out at a better place than I started out at for whatever reason that is. And that may not be anyone's fault at all. It's just something that occurred and I made a decision. I made an agreement with, yep, I think that's how the world works. And it's something that I don't even recall because it's deep in the subconscious. And I've been working off that shortcut all of these years, right? Um, that shortcut just has that first line. We have to open up that whole folder and I'm talking in computer now. We have to open up that whole folder and look at what what were the details? What is the support? What is the definition? Where did this begin? When can I remember this first starting that I had that feeling that I had today that made me react the way that I did? And what did I decide about the world at that point that I need to reassess and tell myself what I know now as an adult, what I know now as a 40 or 50 year old person who has so much more experience under them, their belt than that 20 year old person or that 15 year old person or that five year old who didn't know anything about life or what was supposed to be or, or not be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. One thing you said early on there where you were talking about like how sometimes we need to take a second and say, listen, this is what I heard when you said that, or this is what I felt. And it's all me. This Correct. is how I heard it. It's through my filters, but I need you to know this is how it felt. And so that doesn't happen in a vacuum, right? right. So like, you know, most of us don't live by ourselves in a cave on an mm -hmm. island. Most of us live with other people. We've got family, we've got spouses, we've got kids, we've got For sure. you know, whatever. And so, so that it takes a certain amount of grace though, in that space where like, there's a conversation that needs to happen and say, I know that I've been doing this and I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah. So as I work through this, it's going to benefit us both, but I, I'm going to, someone's going to need a call and some grace from you, right. you know, to allow that. Because I can see where there's, if you're just used to reacting to one another and oh, all of a sudden yeah. you're like, this is how this makes me feel yeah. right now. <laughs> like there's going to be stuff that's thrown, <laughs> right. Or kicked or something, right. Like there's just no way. It's going to blow well, up. Yeah, I don't care two licks about how you feel. I'll tell you what, right. For so, sure. Like that's how we act. Yeah. And so like you've got to arrive in your personal yeah. relationships where you can say, listen, I've noticed that this is what's happening. And that's, there's so much freedom in that, Becky. There's so much freedom in yeah. saying, I see what's happening in me. Yes. You know, and I don't feel good about it. I'm trying to fix it. But as I try to fix this, can I rely on you? Can I trust you? For sure. You know? And so like. Yeah. You can't just begin this and expect the other person to catch on. And I made that mistake a lot. Um, and if you've ever said this, then you're guilty of it as well. Don't you know by now? <laughs> okay. I've been married 25 years, but for sure five years in, I was using that phrase, if not sooner. And no, I barely knew my own mind. I barely knew what I had decided yeah. and how I was um, reacting or, or what I was operating on. And I think that was the frustration. And I wanted my spouse or that other person in my life to be able to do that for me and then being frustrated with them because they couldn't, that wasn't fair. But I had to acknowledge that, right? I had to go, how is he going to know my mind? He can't read it. I can barely make sense of what's going on in there uh, right now. And so uh, what's most important is I think all of us enter into a marriage or a friendship and we want it to go well. 
right? We wanted to succeed. None of us going, going, let's see how long this lasts. But somewhere along the way, we decide I'm going to throw the punches first so that I win, so that I have the upper hand. And that never really works out. A relationship is push and pull, give and take, right? Sometimes I'm giving 100% and you're giving zero. Sometimes you're giving 100% because I can only give zero right now or somewhere in between. Um, The rules of engagement are so important. Mm. Can we have a conversation go, look, what's been going on has not been working. And I think you would agree that we're just tired of it being this way. So let's make an agreement. I'm going to acknowledge some things in me and you are going to acknowledge some things in you. And in this time, I'm not going to point at you. I'm just going to focus on me. So when we're having a disagreement and I'm hearing something, I'm going to focus on me now. I'm not going to point fingers at you. And this is what we're going to do for the next two weeks, one month, whatever you decide. Sometimes we just need some wins, some successes to go, wow, that was a lot better than what we had going on. Let's keep going at this and let that person know. For me, I knew um, my husband wanted to fix things for me, right? He loved me so much. He wanted to fix things. And in when you're having a heated um, discussion, um, sometimes that means they pursue, right? Like, so he would follow me into the next room and the next room. And so then I'm just escalating and getting agitated and getting triggered. We had to agree that at any point I could take a timeout. And we had to then agree how long that timeout was okay to be. Okay, if I'm getting... Um, worked up here and I'm getting super emotional and I know that it doesn't, it may not have anything to do with what we're talking about right now, but I need a second to just assess that, that I can go, I need a timeout and that you're not going to follow me into the next room that I'm going to sit there and uh, I'll put a timer on it, 10 minutes. And it was just enough for me to go, I'm getting really upset here. Am I upset about what's going on here? Or is there something else I need to admit to that we need to talk about? Mm. It has nothing to do with this. So let's deal with this. But hey, can we circle back? Because I realize I'm getting upset because we didn't talk about something else that happened. And I was trying to, you know, how you save up, you like store up like uh, snowballs, like in a snowball fight. And okay, I'm not going to forget that he didn't put the toilet seat down. Oh, and when I asked him to go get the groceries, he didn't do that either. And so then when you have an argument or a discussion about uh, we need to pay this bill and you forgot to pay this bill. Oh, and then the last time you didn't even get the groceries. And then also, right, so we're storing up these things to hurl at each other. We got to stop doing that. Let's address the thing we're talking about now and then go, you know what? I'm still upset about this other thing that happened. And I know I shouldn't. It wasn't that big a deal. However, it's affecting me right now. Can we agree? And that worked for us. Can we agree to have this timeout where I can go back and go, is why am I getting so upset about this? Is there something else at play here that we need to address? Because first of all, we have to address what we're trying to figure out right now so that we can move on with life. But that doesn't mean that there's not something else that's valid that's going on inside of me that maybe we need to clear up as well. And that will save you so much heartache uh, and so much hurt and so much misunderstanding because most of what we go through is misunderstandings because there's something that we're not connecting that another person connects differently than us. And can we pause to understand first of all ourselves and then that person as well? Um, Just in that alone, like you said, there's so much freedom in that. Like all the gray clouds and the storm clears up and we're like, well, it's sunny outside. Yeah. Who even knew? Yeah. And this is attainable and this, we can do this. And just having that small win to begin with can perpetuate great wins in the future. Yeah. 
you said something in our pre-show where you um, were talking about being an Enneagram three. Yes. Uh, I'm an Enneagram seven. Yes. And so, but you were talking about how the big part of, of your thing is to be right mm-hmm. or to win. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when, if we're at a place where in our relationships, friendships, marriages, whatever, where we feel like this isn't sustainable or this isn't going to keep working this way, that you have to, you have to relinquish the need to be right or the need to win. Mm-hmm. Like even your snowball analogy, right? Like you got to, boy, you got to clear those decks, yeah. right? Like you got to like, I'm dumping this all overboard. I'm not going to carry this anymore. Right. A, your arms are eight feet long from carrying <laughs> that for so many years. Yeah. But two, like that's like th- that's not fair. It's right. not fair. And so you have to you have to both arrive at a point where you're like, I don't need to win. Yeah. I don't need to be right. I don't need to be vindicated. I don't need to you know. I right. Don't know. But like, and I could. So as you say that, I'm like every three out there is like, nope, I do need to win. That's just how I work. That's how I operate. How do I change who I am? And to that, I would say, um, reframe it. I had to reframe what winning was, right? And uh, for me, I realized two together is better than one. I mean, Genesis talks about having that Ezer, that person who has your back. And who doesn't want to have someone at their back? But I had to be convinced and I had to be, um, I had to decide that I was going to be in this. Like, this is it. There's like nothing in between. And that when we entered into a marriage, my husband and I, he had my back and I had his. And I had to trust that he was going to have that. But I had to be committed and dedicated to having his as well. And then to see like, whoa, like what a powerhouse we could be if there's two against the world versus one, that I didn't have to do this on my own and we could win together. In fact, my probability for winning was much greater, which is exactly why I married him to begin with. If I hadn't seen that in him, in us as a three, I wouldn't have even gone there. Go back to the beginning, right? So in my marriage, I had to go back to the beginning, but in myself, I had to go back to the beginning. What is it I'm trying to accomplish here? And what it is that I'm fighting for? Because what you're fighting for is definitely how you were made and you were made good. However that is, you're a seven, God made you that way for a purpose. You're a three, he made you that way for a purpose. You're a one, you're a perfectionist. And that can seem to get in the way of a lot of things, but he made you that way for a purpose. And so we don't need to deny ourselves necessarily, but we do have to say, okay, let me look at the beginning and what I'm trying to accomplish and start to reframe that. How can we do this so that that's still true, but I'm not, I'm not laying a, a trail of damage along the way. I don't need to tear anyone else down um, to protect myself. I don't need to cast the first stone to, to protect myself. That's not the way that Jesus walked on this earth. It's not the way he demonstrated to us. And so above all things, as I talked about my kids looking at me, we have to look to Jesus. How did he walk on this earth? What did he try to accomplish? What was his way? And are we doing that in however we're made up? And if we're not, if we're seeing that we're doing more damage than good, then it's time to start looking at who am I? What am I trying to achieve here? When did this all begin? Yeah, I love that. Tell me if this is a okay way to 
not summarize Arrested Development because it's a really big topic, mm-hmm. but to make it something that people could start chewing on. So tell me if this is accurate. Because I was ha- I had this conversation with my friend Nick Hetcher yesterday, and we were talking about this topic. And so I was reminded of like uh, when I was a little kid, and I got my first HO gauge train track thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so I was, I've always been an impatient person. And so like models were never a thing for me because I wanted to finish the model in one sitting. Like mm. and you can't do that when you build a model yeah. and you can't do that when you build model railroads. Like you have to like take your time and do it right. And so I would never take the time to put the tracks together right because they were like, I mean, there were, there were two pieces of metal, right. That you put together with like a tab on each side and you have to put it completely together. Right? right. And if you didn't, there'd be a gap in that track. And so then when you started your train, because you were impatient, you would start the train and the train would hit that and not all the wheels would stay in the track anymore. And so while the train was still moving, right, it was moving with a hiccup or a giddy up, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was like a jigga-jigga-dunk, Right. And so then, so the whole time around the track, now you're just off by a little bit. One of the wheels is off. And so it's affecting your performance. It's affecting your efficiency. It's affecting everything and it's right. just it was just like this little bump but because you've never mm-hmm. gotten back on track yeah so is that is that a is that a fair introduction or a fair you know uh uh That's a fantastic analogy uh yeah because you've been running along the track you've been doing just fine this just the way i am right i think of that it's just the way i am yeah and uh is that good enough right are you okay with not hitting optimal speed. Yeah. Are you okay with missing pieces of the track that would have been such fun if you would have put it together correctly? And it's not a lost cause. We can stop the train. We can pause it. We can put it in the depot and go and make those repairs so that we can still experience that fullness and that joy and that wholeness that is possible. um, If you're willing to pause and do the work. Yeah, I love that. Because why would we not want to see everything we can see and be as efficient as we can and being as loving and kind and present and everything else that sometimes things that might have happened to us in our past is keeping us from? Yeah. So I love that. All right. Thanks, Becky. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Journey to wholeness. Change your thinking to change your life. Visit us at www.theletterj2wholeness.org.